the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. UTBN Pinellas Park. Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater has Sunday morning services at 9 a.m. and again at 1040. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, why did he decide to die at that precise moment? Well, the answer is very simple, because the work was finished. He had nothing more to do. It was accomplished. Having finished the work, nothing more for him to do, and so he gave up his spirit. He died. And that is the purpose for him coming into the world, the death of Christ. He died for you. He died for me. There is a story about the founder of the Persian kingdom, Cyrus, and a prince and his family who Cyrus had captured. What will you give me if I release you, Cyrus asked the prince. The prince offered half his wealth. What will you give me if I release your children, asked the king. All of my wealth, was the reply. Then Cyrus asked the prince what he would give for the release of his wife. The prince replied, Your majesty, I would give myself. Cyrus was so moved by the prince's devotion to his family that he released them all. As they left, the prince asked his wife if she thought that Cyrus was pretty grand for having let them go. With a look of deep love for her husband, she said to him, I didn't notice. I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who is willing to give himself for me. Hello, and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, we will hear the conclusion of Pastor Steve's three-part message on the significance of the cross. The fact that Jesus offered himself on our behalf ought to inspire real devotion on our part. His statement, it is finished, tells us that there is nothing that we must do, in fact, nothing we can do, in addition to what he did in order for us to be saved. Our text is Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through verse 41. In verse 37, Mark recorded that Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Mark did not tell us what Jesus said, but John did. Jesus said, it is finished. Now here's Pastor Steve to pick up the lesson at that point in Mark's narrative. The great missionary Hudson Taylor, for much of his young life, he was a great pioneer missionary to China, for much of his young life was not a Christian. And one day when his mother left him alone, I guess she went out, somewhere, and uh, he went into the, the, the family library, and he started reading a book, a theology book, and he came to a point where he read, and there was an explanation there that Jesus said, it's finished. And on, on young Hudson Taylor's mind, it dawned, well, wait a minute, if it's finished, then I can't add to the work, it's done. He said, then I'm simply going to rest and trust in the, in the finished work of Christ. It's complete. There's nothing more for me to do except embrace what he's done. And he did that. And that's exactly what it takes to to come to salvation. 
It is trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is not trusting in Christ and baptism. It is not trusting in Christ and good works. It is trusting in Jesus Christ alone, period, for salvation. It is seeing that he and, and the work he did on the cross is sufficient for you to go to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but what? Through me. And he means through, through me and the work that I've done. You just trust the finished work of Christ to be sufficient for your salvation. You see, it's a terrible insult to the, the work of Christ on the cross to try to add to it. It's a terrible insult. It's a slap in the face. And I've spoken to people who will tell me, well, uh, yeah, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, but I still have to do something. No, you don't have to do anything but trust what he's done. Now, after you know him, you need to obey him. But the motives are different now. It's like before you got married, you did everything to impress that person you wanted to marry. That was your motive. But after you're married, I trust there's a different motive. It's now. I do these things. At least you should continue to be kind and loving, not because I'm trying to gain their acceptance and their love, but now I do it simply out of love for that person. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But that's for a disciple. That's for a believer. You cannot add to salvation. It's finished. So we, we must not insult the work of Christ on the cross. Our work has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. If it did, then why did Jesus have to come and die for us? I've said that to people who have told me that, well, I think I still have to do things. I said, them, then why did Christ die for our sins if you could do it all? Well, they don't have the answer to that. It's because there is no, no reasonable answer to that. The Bible says that it's finished. Don't add to it. You can't add to it. You just embrace what he's done. But Jesus said something, something else just before he died. There were two statements. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, we're told, he said this, Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And then Luke says, and having said this, he breathed his last. So he committed his spirit to the Father. Now, Mark's gospel doesn't tell us the specifics of Christ's last words. It just says that Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. But Matthew tells us, listen to this, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So not only did he cry out, and he cried out making those two statements, it's finished and I commit my spirit to you, but the Bible says he yielded up his spirit. That is incredible. That's incredible. Uh, it may not strike you as being odd at first, but that's because you're not familiar with crucifixion. Nobody who was crucified did anything like this. People who had undergone scourging, we're told, and then cruel beatings, and then the agony of crucifixion, uh, normally didn't have strength to cry out loud. And the Bible says he specifically cried out loud. It was not a whisper. He had the strength to cry out loud. And then he, they certainly did not yield up their spirit. In fact, nobody has yielded up their spirit. Nobody. No one here will ever yield up their spirit. It'll be taken from you. Christ's death was not normal because his life wasn't taken from him. He gave it. Literally, he gave it. He yielded up, which means to, to surrender, to, to give up. You see, crucified victims would die a very slow death, very slow death, their life gradually fading from them, life ebbing away from them, usually two or three days on the cross and then extreme exhaustion, and then they slipped into a coma. That's why after the death of Christ, which only took those, those six hours, after the death of Christ, and they wanted to bury 
Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate, and Pilate said, make sure he's dead, because he was surprised. People didn't die in six hours. But not so with Christ. His life was not normal, and his death was not normal. At the end, he was strong enough to shout out loud, and he surrendered his spirit to death. No one took his life from him. Do you realize that? In John chapter 10, Jesus had predicted this. John chapter 10, verse 18. He said, as he spoke about being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, he said, no one has taken it away from me. No one takes my life from me. But I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, meaning the resurrection. This commandment I received from my Father. No one took Christ's life. Listen, if he didn't give up his life, he would have never died. You realize that? He would have never died. He was fully conscious, he shouted, and he yielded his spirit. If Jesus didn't yield his life, no one could have taken it from him. No one. He had to give it up because man just doesn't have that authority to take Christ's life. Now, why did he decide to die at that precise moment? Well, the answer is very simple, because the work was finished. He had nothing more to do. It was accomplished. Having finished the work, nothing more for him to do, and so he gave up his spirit. He died. And that is the purpose for him coming into the world, the death of Christ. He died for you. He died for me. John chapter 10 went on to say, actually before this, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hireling, he said, and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep. He holds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and it scatters them. He flees because he's a hireling. He's not concerned about the sheep. He's a hired hand. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now watch this. He said, and I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Who's he talking about? Talking about most of you. Gentile fold. That's right. He's talking about Gentiles. One shepherd, he was speaking, I, this fold is the Jewish fold, but I have other sheep, the Gentile fold. He did that. He gave his life because he loves you. He loves me. He loves all of his sheep. He died for us. So darkness speaks of judgment Judgment for sin, declaration of agony. Jesus experienced that judgment for us. Then his death, he gave his life willingly and voluntarily. No one took it from him. There's a fourth significant event, and that is the dividing curtain of the temple. Verse 38. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Mark just says, just makes a statement without any further explanation, but let me explain. In the temple, there was a huge, and I mean huge, a 60 feet long, 30 feet wide curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And the only one to go past that curtain into the Holy of Holies was the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. No one else was to go into that, but that curtain was there to keep men out of the presence of God. The presence of God, we're told, in a very unique way, dwelt in that holy of holies. However, the moment Jesus died, and this is very significant, God supernaturally, and it was supernatural, divided that curtain. He ripped it into two parts, from the top to the bottom. Mark doesn't tell us why, but the writer to the Hebrews does. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, we're given the theological explanation. Hebrews chapter 10, 
Verse 19 through 22. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. All of that means basically this. When Christ died, man was no longer separated from God. The curtain was open. It's as if God was saying, you can enter now. The way has been made clear. No longer do I need to remain separated from you because the, the blood of all of these animals could not deal with, with sin, could not take away sin. But Christ in his death took it away. It's gone. The sin bearer has borne uh, your, all of your iniquities and the moment you trust Jesus, you come to God. It's just a way of saying the door is open. The curtain that kept people out now is ripped. And God symbolically was, was saying, I ripped it. You don't need a priest to enter once a year. You come at any time. And it also means you have a prayer life at any time. You don't need a mediator. You go fully with, with full access to God. So man is no longer separated from God. The curtain is torn. It's open to all. See, in other words, it was an invitation to, to come to God through faith in the death of Christ. No need for a curtain now. The barrier of sin has been removed. That's what he's saying. So we see the darkness, declaration of agony, the death, the division of the curtain. There's a fifth event, the discernment of the centurion. Verse 39. And when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. The Roman soldier in charge of crucifying Jesus, along with the two thieves that, that day, is called by Mark a centurion. A centurion is taken from a Latin word that's related to 100 because the centurion was a, a Roman soldier in charge over 100 men. That's why he's called a centurion. Apparently, the centurion knew quite a bit about Jesus. He had been with Jesus throughout his trial before Pilate. He knew the charge that was brought against Jesus. He heard the Jewish leaders tell Pilate that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. You may say, but I don't remember covering that. John's Gospel covered that. Pilate was most, most afraid when he heard that, that Jesus said he was the Son of God, John 19.7. He heard Pilate say that Jesus was innocent. So, so the centurion was quite aware of what was going on. But it was not until he saw the way Jesus died that he believed that Christ was the Son of God. Whether he came to faith at that moment or not, I, I don't know. But at least he discerned the events. It was a lot sharper than the people around there who just mocked Christ. He discerned that there's darkness that's unusual. He discerned that other things, uh, Matthew tells us there was an earthquake at that moment. We won't go into this because we're in Mark's gospel, but there was an earthquake. There were rocks that were thrown around. There were some very eerie supernatural things that were going on. And then it's, Mark says specifically, when he saw the way Jesus breathed his last, he saw the strength of Christ, that, that he really didn't need to die at that moment. If, if a, a crucified victim has enough strength to cry out the way Jesus cried out, He's not really going to die. No, the centurion understood that Jesus was more than a man. That Jesus, who had enough strength to cry out normally, should not have died. He should have lived. This man had seen many crucified victims die. And Jesus died in a different way. No one just yielded his spirit. 
Nobody just spoke to God like that with absolute trust. Nobody had that kind of strength at the end and the one who dismissed his spirit and called on the Father. And it all clicked with this man. Somehow it all came together. He discerned that Jesus is the Son of God. He put it together and discerned what was going on. And you and I need to do the same thing. When you read the Bible, these things are not coincidental. And what's the point of this? What is God the Father through this passage making a statement? What is he saying here? What's his message? His message is that it's not enough to simply know all these things about Christ and his death and judgment. You must believe who he is. You must believe that he's the Son of God. You must understand that he is Lord. But there's one final event that ties it all together. And that's the devotion of the women. There are some women there devoted to Christ. Verse 40 and 41. There were also some women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the Less and Joses and Salome. And when, and when he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him. There were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. In addition to the mocking crowd observing Jesus being crucified, there was a group of women who ministered to Jesus while he was in Galilee. And then they followed him south to Jerusalem. These were women who devoted themselves to Christ. Tremendous truth. They devoted themselves to Christ. And they had come to Jerusalem expecting that Jesus would usher in his kingdom. Instead, he died on a cross. But I want you to see this. Even in their grief, even in their disappointments, even in their lack of knowledge, they're still devoted to him. This is true devotion. They don't understand what's going on. They're quite courageous. They're not afraid of the consequences. I noticed that apart from John being there, initially, Jesus said, behold your mother, and to his mother, behold your son. Apart from John being there, no other male disciple is there. But the women are there. They remain loyal and devoted. They stand watching the cross. And they're going to be involved, by the way, in the burial and the resurrection. Women play a huge role in the ministry of, of Christ. Now, there are six events here. Let me tie it together for you. There's the darkness, the declaration of agony, the death, the dividing of the temple curtain, the discernment of the centurion, and the devotion of the women. God throughout this has been giving us a message. And here's the message. Sin has been judged by God. Been judged by God. He judged it when his son died in our place. He was crucified in our place. Christ laid down his life voluntarily for us as he finished the work that God had given him by paying the full price for sin. And by his death, God has opened the door to himself. The door is opened. All may come to him who believe that he is the Son of God, as the centurion did, and those who come to him come with loyal hearts of devotion. It's the message of the cross. Message of the cross. Christ paid for sin. He died in our place. God judged sin. The way is open. You're invited. It's not enough simply to know who he is, that he's the Son of God. You must have the heart attitude of these women who were devoted to him. That's the gospel. That's the message of the cross. And that's what God has been saying. And the real question is, have you ever trusted him? Have you trusted him as Lord? Have you trusted him as the one who paid for your sins? Have you believed on him as your sin bearer? Have you believed on him as the one who said, it is finished? Or are you trying to get to heaven by your own good works? Have you simply believed intellectually that he's the Son of God, but have no attitude of devotion to him? You need to take all of this into effect because God has spoken to us 
from the cross. And you need to respond to that. Let's bow for prayer. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. I invite you to come up right after the service. Go through the the doors right next to the the organ. There'll be somebody there who will be happy to sit down with you and speak to you about salvation. You can ask any questions of them. You can appeal to them. You can share your heart with them, and they'll share how you can know that your sins are forgiven. How you can know that you'll never have to taste hell because Jesus tasted it for you. In fact, he experienced more than a taste. He experienced the full wrath of God. He drank the cup to the last drop. Father, I realize that we have have looked at so much this morning, hard to assimilate it all, hard to, to spiritually digest it, and yet, Lord, we must. I pray that you'll sober us up spiritually. This time of the year, Lord, when so much of our attention is on you coming into the world as a little babe, we tend to forget the wickedness of mankind. We tend to forget that while everybody seems to make a fuss about a little infant, the world doesn't want to hear about judgment on sin. The world doesn't want to hear that there's nothing they could do to earn favor to go to heaven. It's all been done for them. The world doesn't want to hear that religion can't get them to to heaven, but only the work of Christ can. Lord, I, I pray for anyone here struggling with salvation, struggling with their own sin. They might see so clearly as never before that it's finished. Simply trust the finished work of Christ. It's done. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that the way has been made open to all of us, Jew or Gentile, male or female, adult or child, we can all come to you believing that you are the Son of God and with a heart filled with devotion to you. You accept us. You forgive us. And you forgive us on the basis of the great truth that you died for all of our sins. Lord, we thank you for these truths. We pray that that you'll just burn them into our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for those truths from God's Word. May He help us to apply them. And to you, our listeners, let me just say how delighted I am that you could join us for a verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you would like to worship with us, you can find Lakeside midway between US-19 and the beaches. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. If you do come for a visit, please don't dash out the door after the service. I know Pastor Steve would be delighted to meet you. The address once more is 1893 Sunset Point Road, Clearwater, Florida. Besides offering solid biblical teaching, Lakeside also offers one of the finest Christian schools in the area. Their phone number is 727-461-3311. Or visit their highly informative website, Lakeside Christian School, all one word, lakesidechristianschool.org. Their phone number again is 727-461-3311. 
and the website is lakesidechristianschool.org. These radio adaptations of Pastor Steve's messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor Steve would like to tell you more about this ministry and how you can get involved. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by by Scripture because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. You can learn more at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click the Support Us link. While you are there, you might consider signing up for our free podcasting service to make sure you catch all of the future classes. We keep all of our previous lessons in the archives page, so that's the place to go if you missed any classes in this series and want to fill in the gaps. That's versebyverseradio.org. You can order a CD or cassette with the whole message that Pastor Steve just concluded. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.